The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are as still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground. In the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. This is God's word, friends. So I have good news for some of you and bad news for others of you. It's this. Heaven will be a musical. Heaven's going to be a musical. Is that good news for you or bad news? In the film Spirited that was released this year, There's a scene where a group of recently deceased souls are coming upon the inner workings of this afterlife agency. 
This agency whose job it is every year to take one awful, angry person and follow the Christmas carol plotline and haunt that person to the point that it changes their life and it also then changes the rest of the world forever. So as these freshly dead trainees are coming upon this agency, they're watching as the spirits of Christmas past and present and future along with their support staff, are celebrating that the life of a woman, a Karen, Karen Blansky, who through their haunting efforts has been proven redeemed, changed by their work, they're celebrating and they're singing. And the lyrics to their song go something like this. I won't sing it. I'll maybe rap it a little bit. You wait for the day, you prep for a year, and when the big day is finally here, you take a jerk and work to turn them around. And one of the dead guys asks their tour guide, why in the world are they singing? And she responds, well, because this is a musical. And he asks, what is? And she's like, all of this, the afterlife, it's a musical. And one person just cheers with glee, yay! And the man who asks the question just rolls his eyes. He's like, oh man, oh man. And they continue to sing the lyrics. And this is what they sing. We're full of that Christmas morning feeling. Is there a morning more appealing? The magical mood when being merry is very necessary. We're changing all mankind. We're planting the seeds and joy is blooming. Now we got one less hateful human. We got that Christmas morning feeling. And man, is it fun. It's Christmas morning. And we're putting the bookmark to the end of this section of Exodus as we walk through Exodus this fall. And what happens as the bookmark is put at the end of this section? The band is starting to play. And Moses is leading the people of Israel in a song. A joy-filled song of deliverance. It's a song of exaltation. A word which means like the state of extreme happiness found as there were bad or hard or deadly circumstances that were turned upside down. But more than that, Exodus 15 is a song of exalting the only one who could make it possible. The theme of Moses and the people of Israel's song is this. What no man could do, the Lord has done. What war no man could win, the Lord has won. What enemy no man could have beaten, the Lord himself has defeated. The Lord is the victor. And Exodus 15 is asking us the question, will you join in the Christ-exalting chorus of this song? The song in Exodus 15 can be divided basically into three parts like the parts of a song. There's the chorus, that's that part of the song that you sing repeatedly, and then there's verse 1 and verse 2. And so I just wanted to begin with the chorus. It's going to get a little confusing, but the chorus is found in verse 1 of the scriptures and verse 21 of the scriptures, where we sing of the one who wins. I'll read that, those passages. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Moses begins the song with the children of Israel. And Miriam, who's Moses and Aaron's sister, continues the song at the end with the same line. I wanted to ask a question. Why start the song with a male and end with a female? I think it's to give a picture 
of past victory for the Jewish firstborn son, and then the continued victory for the bride, the church. This is a song for the ages, for all generations of God's people, a song of triumph and win and glory to sing a celebration of what God alone did and will continue to do. But we as nice Wisconsinites, we don't like the second line of the chorus, do we? Maybe? The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. That just seems a little harsh, that you'd celebrate God going after enemies. But friends, we have to remember what these enemies were doing. What were they trying to do? They were trying to kill the people. If you had a person who spent their energy, their money, their time wanting to see you dead, or at least good as dead as a slave, they were on your heels day in, day out. What would your response be when the waters swallow them up and you're still alive? You would be ecstatic. You wouldn't be thinking, oh, I'm sorry that had to happen to you, person who's trying to murder me. No, you would be rejoicing in the relief that my life's been saved. You would sing a song of salvation to the mighty hand, the authority, the officer that saved you. This reality, friends, is so important. You no longer need to worry about whether your pursuer is behind the corner ready to launch at you. You no longer need to be anxious that at any moment the other shoe is going to drop. It's over. It's finished. And it was finished by the one who was in the beginning, the Lord himself. I know someone who's had someone from their past constantly terrorize them physically assault them, emotionally scar them, showing up out of nowhere and then disappearing into the dark, unsure when the next appearing is going to be. If this person that I know turned around like the Israelites did and saw that enemy floating face up dead in the water, because of the act of a powerful person who judged that enemy rightly for their actions, the words out of their mouth would not be, oh, I'm sorry that had to happen to you. Their words would be, thank you, thank you, thank you. You saved me from him. When we sing a song in worship, friends, our minds are joining with our hearts to declare with our mouth that something is true. And this is the chorus Moses and Miriam and Israel and the church are singing. The song of a victor, a savior, a general who wins. This is a song of a people who haven't been given a victory they themselves could make happen. They've been given a victory they didn't necessarily even deserve. Only the Lord could do this. You see this throughout the passage. Only the Lord could win a battle against the strongest force in the world. But before we join in the chorus, we need to ask the question, who is our enemy who are the horses and the chariots the Lord has thrown into our sea? We can say the Lord won for the Israelites, clearly, like they knew. Pharaoh, his armies who were pursuing them are dead. But what does this song have anything to do with us? We don't have Pharaoh after us. If we believe Scripture is written for an original audience and for us, how can this song be our song? Well, we have to look at the two verses of the song alongside the chorus to find some answers. And the first verse of this song of deliverance is found in verses 2 to 12. The Lord wants us to look back and see 
that he wins over the devil, over death, and over sin. Looking back, who are the enemies the Lord, the man of war, verse 3 describes, has conquered for us? First, the enemy of Pharaoh. Who is he supposed to be? Who is he supposed to represent for us? He's the arch enemy of God. He's the devil. And he's the arch enemy of the people God considers his own. Pharaoh has served as a window. We can look into the pride and the tactics of the devil and how he tries to keep a slavish hold on people. How does he do that? With lies, with violence, with manipulation, with threats. But the enemy of God, the devil, also has a huge army fighting with him, his hosts. Not only does the devil have a legion of demons doing his bidding, he also has these powerful chariots of sin of which sinful people's hands, slaved people's hands are tied to. As sinful people do the things they don't want to do and don't do the things they want to do. And the chariots just pull them along like they're slaves. And even written on the side of the chariots is inscribed God's law summed up in the words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so as the enemy is moving, he puts that law in our faces. So in our addictions and in our anger and in our hurting others and our hurting ourselves and our blaming others and our bantering against others and our complaining and our condemning others, we make vows to ourselves, to God and to others. i got to stop sinning and we can't. Our conscience with Pharaoh's armies of yeah, yeah is in hot pursuit of us telling us all the ways we have failed as we are attached to that chariot. We try to outrun the chariot, but we can't win ourselves. And even as we're running, our bodies tell us that every time we feel an ache or a pain or a muscle tighten, I'm one step closer to death. And it's a death which was a consequence to us because of our choice to listen to the Pharaoh python in the garden. Who will rescue us from this enemy that has me tied to him? Verse 2 says, the Lord who is our strength, our song, our salvation. He casts every single one of these enemies into the depths of the sea. They are sunk, verse 4 says. Devil, sunk. Death, sunk. Sin, sunk. Where the flood covers them. And they cannot anymore have any power or control over us. Verse 6 says, God's right hand shattered the enemy and every shackle the enemy put on our hands. God, as a warrior, he is embattled for his people. And he will go to any length to retrieve them back to himself. Friends, yes, he is angry over sin. Our sin. But in his mercy and love, that anger is not directed at his own people. It's at the devil and his wicked ways. It's at death itself. And the slavery and the sin and the death that's around us, it makes, verse 8 says, God's nostrils flare and his fury go out so that he would burn up every one of his own children's enemy like the stubble Pharaoh tried to make the Israelites gather to make his bricks of slavery. They will burn up. The enemy, do you see in verse 9, the enemy's arrogance. As he thinks, I'm going to win. I'm going to have the final word. 
one blow from God's breath, and he is silenced and sunk like lead in mighty waters. Who is like the Lord that he would do something for us like this? Verse 11 asks. God is beyond comprehension. We try to take on our enemies on our own, and we lose time and time again. He alone can work a wonder against our enemies. We are no longer ever needing to worry about our enemies now or our enemies ever having the final word. Friends, this is your position in Christ. This is your position in Christ. Satan is snuffed out. He is beaten to a pulp. Everything he says to you about how bad you are, how guilty you are, how messed up you are, how insignificant and useless you are, have been silenced by the wave of God's judgment. Every way in which the world or even your own sinful flesh try to convince you that you'll never get out of this alive, the Lord's hands hold the waters from crashing on you so you can walk on dry ground while your enemies perish behind you. Sing for joy to the world that the Lord has come. Sing in confident chorus that the enemy has no authority in your life. Sing, oh come, let us adore him to the one who took care of every enemy of yours because he promises to love, protect, and care for you. How? Through the victor, Jesus Christ, who in the strength of God humbled himself by becoming obedient to God to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' exaltation came through humiliation, through his being what? Being the seafloor that you could walk upon. Verse 19 speaks of dry ground. What is that dry ground? It's Jesus. He took the lowest place for you. He shuttled you out of the depths and the death of the sea and the pursuit of the enemy. We are equally enemies of God as much as Pharaoh and his army were. But in the Lord's love, Jesus Christ himself was trod upon the waters of God's wrath instead of you. This is the story of those who believe this is God's song. That's the first verse. Look back and see the Lord wins over the devil, death, and sin. And the second verse, which is found in verses 13 to 18, the Lord wants us to look forward and see the Lord continues to win until we're safe at home with him. What do you see in verses 14 to 15? There are enemies listed there that the people of Israel still have yet to face. The Philistines, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Canaanites. These are the enemies the people of God are going to encounter as they make their way into the Lord's promised home that he's made for them. And verse 13 says, my steadfast love will lead you home. This is God's commitment to you. This is his seal upon you that as you have been purchased, as you have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, you are also given the guidance and strength of his spirit to continue on until you get home. You got to see in this verse the enemies who are shaking in their proverbial military boots at the greatness of God. This helps us to know that after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the enemy is afraid of you. 
The enemy might puff himself up and make himself look intimidating, but verse 16 tells us they know they can't stop the Lord from letting his people get home. God is faithful to finish what he starts. And verse 17 reminds us he will bring us in and plant us on the mountain, the city of God's dwelling. Friends, for those of you who are weary in the battle, you need to hear these words of promise. Nothing, nothing can stop the Lord from finishing what he's started in you. Nothing. Every enemy you still find yourself facing will not stop the Lord's love from leading you home. We have to face the accusations of our enemy, the accuser, who says to you, none of you who are guilty could ever live in God's presence. We have to sing back to our enemy, you know what, you're right. Jesus is my innocence, not me. We have to face the fear that the enemy tries to instill in you that maybe you've sinned so much and so regularly that you're not really God's child. Hear the song that this Exodus 15 sings that says, What the Lord purchases, he never returns, unlike American culture the day after tomorrow. What the Lord purchases, he never returns. I want you to consider how the enemy has made his pursuit of you maybe more obvious in the past few weeks or months. How have you seen the enemy more obviously? Maybe this enemy, he's haunting you with your past decisions and your doubts. Be encouraged this morning to walk on the dry ground of Jesus for every wrong that you've committed. Maybe this enemy is distracting your mind and putting in front of you the wrong enemies, people. And the media is just feeding that lie. Friends, people are not your enemy. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6 says. It's against forces beyond human armies. So if that's you, let the waters of God's forgiveness crash over your being the judge of other people. Let the waters crash over every judgment you've made against every God-made human being. And maybe finally your enemy right now is death and you're afraid of it. With every ache, pain, diagnosis, encourage you. Look death in the eye and sing, death, you shall die. A few months ago, we held a memorial service for one of our members' moms who passed away. And in it, we sang a song which captures less of that Christmas morning feeling and more of the reality of walking on dry ground while there are battles and storms still swirling around us. And I want to close with the lyrics which I pray would ground your faith on the dry ground, on the rock, on the song of your deliverer, Jesus. My life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentation. I catch the sweet though far off him that hails a new creation. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, 
How can I keep from singing? The Lord has won the victory over the devil, over death and sin. And he will win over enemies still until we're safe at home with him. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the victory that is ours through Christ and Christ alone. Help our hearts to beat stronger in knowing what we've been delivered from. Help our minds see more vividly what it is we've been delivered from so that our mouths will sing all the more loudly what it is that you have done. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Christ, to be our dry ground, to be able to stand upon him and not be consumed by the waters of death. Thank you for making a safe passage for us to be alive forever. And we pray, Father, that you would help us still sing that song outside of these doors, not just on a Sunday morning. That the world might see, that people might see, that Moabites, Canaanites, Philistines might also see that there is one who saves. And his name is Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen.